High Praise Podcasts. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Joshua, lead pastor here at High Praise, and I want to thank you for downloading today's podcast. We know that this message is going to encourage and bless you. So I want you to open up your heart and receive what the Lord has for you today. As we've already kind of said and, and kind of uh, laid the groundwork for uh, today, it is back to school week. And all the parents said, all right, y'all missed your chance. Um, and all the teachers said, all right, that's what I expected. Amen. <laughs> Complete silence. The crickets were overwhelming. Uh, I'm not even going to ask what the kids think. We're just going to move right past that one. I don't want to be booed off the stage. Uh, But it's back to school week. Uh, It really is an important week. It's an important time. Uh, And we really have had an absolutely incredible summer here at High Praise uh, for our kids and for our students. Uh, Also for all of us adults as well, but especially for our kids and students. Summer is a time we really focus heavily uh, on our, our kids' ministry, our student ministry. So just to give you a little bit of a recap, in case you haven't been here and you might have missed some things, uh, we had Summer Faith Force Academy, our VBS. We had uh, over 100 unique kids that showed up for Summer Faith Force Academy, and kids were ministered to, lives were changed. Uh, the Word uh, was sown into their lives, even in places they may not fully comprehend or understand yet. The Word was being sown into their lives. Uh, so for all of you who helped at Summer Faith Force Academy this this year. Thank you so much for your labor of love. Thank you for sowing into people who have nothing to give. I've heard Pastor Ken Blunt say this uh, several times. The church oftentimes ignores kids because kids don't have anything to give other than just being there with their moms and dads. But there is one that, listen, kids don't stay kids forever. <laughs> They grow up and they become adults. And if you don't start sowing and investing in them whenever they are three, four, five, six, seven years old, there's not that harvest that's waiting. Also, if you don't treat them as human beings when they're seven, why do they suddenly think you care when they turn 18 and you suddenly act like you care? So thank you to all of you who've sown into our kids. Uh, We had Color Wars this summer for the first time ever here at High Praise, in High Praise YTH. I was talking to Pastor Garrett before. They had uh, around 200 unique kids that came through on Wednesday nights, middle, high, and college age for Color Wars, which is absolutely awesome. And the even better thing, even better than that, is there were at least, that we know of, 10 10 kids who came for the first time during Color Wars at some some point during the course of Color Wars and movement conference that gave their lives to Jesus and have been continuing to show up. Amen? That makes it worth it. I said that makes it worth it. Some of you may have seen videos of jousting and of kids fighting with pool noodles and wondered what in the world is happening. Listen, it was about creating relationship. It was about investing in people. So whenever they hear the gospel, their hearts are already open to receive because they already know you care about them and you love them. Of course, we had movement conference. We had over 300 students here for movement conference and lives were changed. People were delivered. God moved in an incredible way. It was absolutely awesome. And then, of course, we also had our High Praise Summer Internship for high schoolers for the first time. Where my in, where the High Praise interns at? Where are y'all at in the room? That was your, that was your cue to yell, not just to wave at me. <laughs> 
We had an awesome group of kids over the summer that came every Wednesday for spent over 12 hours a day here at the church uh, learning and volunteering and moving tables and moving tables and moving tables and moving chairs and moving chairs and mopping floors and mopping floors and mopping floors. And they've done an absolutely wonderful job. I didn't just, I didn't just say all that just to recap kind of what's happened, but I, I wanted to kind of paint a picture that for many of our kids, many of your kids, they've chosen uh, this summer to immerse themselves in a Christian environment, around Christian influences, around people who are like-minded this summer, which is an absolutely incredible thing. Iron sharpening iron, getting stronger, getting sharper. It's absolutely incredible. And for all of you who have done that, and all of you parents who have gone the extra mile to make sure your kids have been here, that they've been here for YTH, that they've been here for movement, that they've been here for internship, even when it inconvenienced your schedule, even when it meant you had to drive a little bit further, even when it meant you had to get up at four in the morning to get them here so that they could go to Wild Adventures whenever we did the summer internship. For all of you, thank you for investing in your kids because not every parent does that and y'all have gone above and beyond. Thank you and you should give yourselves a round of applause for that. But above everything else, I did that to kind of set the stage for what I want to talk about today because most of your kids this week are going to go back into an environment where people have a tendency to not think the way that they do. I want to give you some statistics today uh, really quickly. Uh, and while I'm doing that, you can go ahead and turn to Dan Daniel chapter 1. Uh, but real quick, only 28% of Generation Z, if you don't know what Gen Z is, that's people born in the mid to late 90s uh, till the early 2010s, only 28% attend church once a month. Wow. Only 28% attend church once a month. And that's most of our kids who are going into middle school, into high school, uh, our college kids, that's them. Only about 28% of their peers attend church at least once a month. That's not a very encouraging statistic when you look at it. And by the way, if you ask any teacher or ask any kid that's in this room, they would probably tell you that it's even a lower percentage of people that whenever they're at school act like they go to church at least once a month. I've got teachers nodding really big to me right now. And, and I I'm not, don't want to be the bearer of bad news today, and, and that's not what this is, so I don't want you to get depressed before we even get started. But it's not much better among the majority of people who are the, or a large portion of people who will be their teachers and administrators. Because among millennials, which if you don't know what a millennial is, how many, raise your hand if you are, um, if you are over, let's see, if you are over, uh, do some quick math in my head. If you are over like 26, 27, but, you are un but you're no older than 42, where are y'all at? Okay, that's a good portion of the room. Y'all are millennials, okay? You're, the 11-year-old you see is not a millennial. I'm a millennial, I'm about to be 38 years old. We use this word millennial like it's people who are 14. Your, the, a lot of your kids' teachers 
A lot of their administrators, not all, but a lot of them are millennials. And the statistics tell us only 29% of them attend church at least once a month. And if you want to know something even more shocking, millennials make up the majority of churchgoers in America. And of the majority of the, the, the largest church-going generation in America, only 29% of them attend church at least once a month. So I, I am not trying to paint a grim picture for you this morning. I've, I've got a good word for you. Y'all just hang with me for a minute. But among whenever your kids go back to school this week, only roughly a quarter of their peers go to church at least. I mean, once a month is a pretty low bar. Right. And only about a quarter of them go to church at least once a month. And a lot of their teachers and administrators are not much better. So the reality is they may have been immersed in a very Christian, Christ-like, Holy Spirit-filled culture over this past summer. But this week, whenever they go back, there's going to be a lot of people they are surrounded by that are not like them. I actually had a teacher tell me this summer, she said, uh, she said, you would be shocked because a lot of times the speech and the things and the conversations that happen among teachers are just as bad, if not worse, than what happens among the kids, right? Now, thankfully for the people in high praise that are teachers and administrators, it's not that way. And the church said, but I can't, we can't control what everyone else does. And the reality is they're going to be surrounded by a lot of people who think differently than them. So the stats are grim. But the good news is this. I believe God is raising up an anointed remnant. He is raising up an anointed remnant. And the students of this body, the teachers of this body are part of that remnant and they are meant to be different and stand out differently than everyone else. You can never change things that you look just like. Say it again, you can never change things that you look just like. And, and, and hear me now, because I, I don't want you to, if you don't have kids in this room or, 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 or you're not a teacher and you go, this is not for me today, it absolutely is for you today. And let me tell you why. Because a lot of times whenever we talk about living holy and we talk about being set apart and we talk about not bowing to culture, what we do is we point our finger at the younger generation and be like, yeah, y'all better listen to that. Y'all better listen to that. But the same principle applies to those of you who may be a little bit older, because guess what? The stats don't change around the people that you go to work with. A lot of them don't serve God. A lot of them can be even hostile towards Jesus, towards the church, towards God. And it's not that you just dismiss yourself because you turned 20 and all of a sudden holiness and living opposite and living separately no longer applies to you. It still applies to you. Listen, don't talk to your kid about how they need to live holy if you aren't willing to live holy in front of them. Don't tell them they need to be around the right crowd whenever you're around the wrong crowd. All right. This is for you too. Daniel chapter one. I've got a, a, a rather lengthy scripture to read this morning. I'm going to get you your daily Bible reading in, but also I, I want to read all of this just so you can see it and we can set the stage. Daniel chapter one. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. And he brought the articles 
into the treasure house of his God. Verse 3, then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. In other words, bring me the ones who are gifted. So what he said, verse five, and the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank and three years of training for them so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Now among those sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them, the chief eunuch gave names. He gave Daniel the name of Belteshazzar to Hananiah. Y'all know these ones. Shadrach to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that, get this, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear the Lord, I fear my Lord the king who's appointed your food and drink, for why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. Verse 11. So Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you. And the appearance of the young men who eat the portions of the king's delicacies, and as you see fit, so deal with your servants. So he consented with them in this manner and tested them 10 days. At the end of 10 days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge. God gave them, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I want you to see something here. God gave them gifting in the natural and the spiritual. He gave them gifting in all literature and wisdom and Daniel, all understanding in visions and dreams. Now at the end of the days, when the king had said that they would be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them, and among them all none was found, like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they served before the king, and in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in all his realm. 
Thus Daniel continued until the first year of King Cyrus. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this word today. I thank you, Lord, that even as we receive this, Lord, I thank that you anoint us to hear what you're saying to us this morning. I thank you today, Father, you will anoint my tongue as that of a ready and skillful writer to speak forth your words of life, exhortation, edification, and comfort to your people. I thank you, you empower us with your word today. Anoint our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, and our spirits to respond to what you're saying to us this morning. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody says, amen. So just a quick recap, because I know that's a lot of scripture. So I'm going to give you the Cliff's Notes version. Kids, y'all know about Cliff's Notes? Maybe y'all had any, had any this, this year? Do they even make those anymore? All right. Who knows? Y'all just get a Wikipedia article now instead of Cliff's Notes. Amen. Quick recap. So we have the story of Daniel, the three young men, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, who are brought into Babylonian captivity. They're brought to serve before the king because of their gifting. They're to be given wine and meat from the king's kitchen, from his portions, his rations. What the world says is the best. What Babylon says is the best. Give them that. And they say, we're not going to defile ourselves. Evaluate us just eating veggies in water, which sounds gross. <laughs> Some of y'all are about that life. I'm probably going to go to rodeos after church today and get a steak. I'm not ordering a veggie plate. And after 10 days, they're evaluated and they appear more healthy and vibrant than anyone else in court. God gave them all knowledge and skill. He gave them spiritual gifting and ability and God elevated them above all others. Okay. We on the same page. Everybody with me. So what does that mean for us? How does that apply to us in our world today? And what are we really seeing in this group of young men who in adverse circumstances refused to compromise. I've already said it at the beginning. A lot of us, a lot of you just every day go into adverse spiritual situations and circumstances. Some of you are blessed to be surrounded by Christian coworkers, maybe in a Christian business. And for y'all, that's awesome. But that's not the majority of people in this room. Your kids are going to go into adverse situations, adverse circumstances. Teachers are going to go into adverse situations and adverse circumstances. And I believe the word that God put in my heart for all of us today, but especially for those of you who are going back to school, teachers going back to school, is this is a time of no compromise. Somebody shout no compromise. no compromise. So when Daniel and his friends are taken captive, they are taken behind enemy lives, lines. They don't have leaders who serve God. They're surrounded by people who don't serve God. The situation is not ideal. Once again, a lot of you are going to face that this upcoming week and face it every day. And understand, standing strong in the midst of adverse situations can lead to the miraculous and the power of God being displayed in your life and through your life when you refuse to compromise. But in order to stand, you have to have something called conviction. Can somebody shout conviction? You have to have conviction. By the way, conviction is a good word in a spiritual sense, right? I think, I think at times, we have thrown out words like conviction because we have conflated it with condemnation. But conviction and condemnation are not the same thing. The Holy Spirit brings conviction. The enemy brings condemnation. Condemnation tries to remind you of who you used to be, 
of where you've missed the mark, of where you've messed up, and tell you that you will never make it and you'll never be able to achieve and you will never be who God's called you to be. Conviction says, be holy as I am holy and watch what I do through your life. Conviction says, don't go there, don't say that, don't listen to that, don't engage in that conversation. Hmm? I was telling somebody this week, I said, sometimes I, 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 one of the greatest fears I have for millennials and Gen Z, one of the greatest fears that I have, spiritually speaking, is this, it, it, is we have, and, and, and there is some healthiness to this, that, that, that we have uh, tried to run so far away from condemnation, right? We have tried to run so far away from legalism, that in the midst of that, some have embraced that everything goes, nothing really matters, do whatever you want type attitude. And listen, swinging the, swinging the pendulum from one direction all the way to the other just gives you a new set of problems that doesn't fix anything. Swinging a pendulum from you can't do anything to do whatever you want, it's no big deal, doesn't fix anything. I believe this is one of the primary reasons Jesus said that narrow is the way the narrow is the road that leads to life and few are there that find it. Because walking the narrow road means this that you walk in a life full of balance. To walk and anybody ever to walk across something narrow before, balance beam or something? What do you, you have to balance? If you're ever gonna walk the narrow road, you've got to walk with some balance in your life. And you can't fall victim to the ditch on either side of the road. You have to walk with balance. And by the way, part of living in balance, biblical balance, means embracing the conviction of the Holy Spirit and not grieving him. And we also just have to understand some things are just sin and you're not called to do them. You don't need a word from God. He's already given you a word. He's already, yeah, well, God told me something different. Well, I'm glad that God told you something different than he told the apostle Paul in the word, but I'm gonna stick with what the word says over what you think you heard because you wanna satisfy your flesh. All right. You have to have conviction. What is conviction? It's a strong persuasion or belief. It's being convinced of something. To stand strong means you have to be convinced of something. Everyone is being convinced of something. What are you being convinced of? Are you being convinced of what culture says, what the world says, what the talking heads say, what you read on Twitter or X or whatever it's called this week, what you're reading on threads or what you're seeing on TikTok or what you're hearing your favorite talking, talking head on the news say, whatever theories you're reading this week, are you being convinced of that? Or are you being convinced of what God has said about you? Are you being convinced of what the word says? Are you developing a conviction based in scripture, based in the experience you have living for God? What is your conviction based in? Is it based in the Holy Spirit or is it based in the spirit of the age of this world? What is your conviction based in today? Because whatever you are convicted of and whatever conviction you live, you are going to eat the fruit of the conviction that you live and it is much better to eat the fruit of the conviction of the spirit than to eat the fruit of the conviction of the world hmm y'all with me this morning every day we're faced with choices whether you are 10 years old or whether you are 100 years old every day we are faced with choices to do what is wrong or do what is right to engage in speech we know we shouldn't 
to go places we know we shouldn't. To be influenced rather than be an influencer. And if you don't have conviction, you will fall time and time and time again. So this is what happens. Daniel's taken into captivity. Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, they're taken into captivity. And the king comes and he presents him with something that looks good. I promise you that the king's meat and the king's drink looked a lot more appetizing than water and veggies. Unless you're a veggie freak, and in that case, God bless you. I'm so thankful for you, and I'm happy that you can do that. I wish I could, but I'm just not about that life. I get the veggies taken off of my cheeseburger. I don't even eat them on the burger. No tomato, no onion, no lettuce. It gets too soggy. And add some bacon on there while we're at it, too. Amen. That's the best response I've gotten all morning was for bacon. I said, yes, pastor. Amen. I'm with you on that one. Conviction, bacon. Yes. The king's portion looked much more appetizing. Oftentimes on the, on the surface, what the world has to offer looks much more appetizing to your flesh. Right? I've heard people say it this way, you know, people who say that, that sin isn't enjoyable to your flesh are, are generally lying. Your flesh enjoys sin, but your spirit doesn't. And that's what's really important, right? Because your flesh is perishing, but your spirit is forever. Your soul is forever. That is forever. That is who, that's who you really are. You aren't really your flesh. All right. We'll talk about that another time. You shouldn't be looking to appease your flesh. You should be looking to appease God. You should be looking to appease your spirit man. You should be looking to live holy. And understand, Daniel didn't reject the meat and the wine because of a dietary choice. It wasn't because he would just rather have vegetables. It wasn't like he went to the restaurant and said, uh, they really don't, that doesn't look good, give me something else. You have to understand, to reject what the king was giving you was a big deal. So much that the chief of the universe goes, listen, if you don't eat this, my head's on the line. And if his head's on the line, guess what that also means? Daniel's head is on the line as well. Daniel's head is on the line. This wasn't because of some dietary choice. This was because of a conviction. Because Daniel actually says, we will not defile ourselves with that. For Daniel to consume that would have been sin. And it would have been much easier for Daniel to eat what everybody else was eating. To drink what everybody else was drinking. And to look to his left and to his right and be like everybody else around him. But in order to be like everyone else around him, Daniel would have been defiling who God made him to be. And there's a lot of you who have defiled who God God has called you to be because you have looked to your left and you have looked to your right. And rather than rejecting the portion of what the world has attempted to give you, you have pulled a seat up to the bar and you have engaged in consuming the same things. You've been in the same conversations. You've gone to the same places. You've partaken of the same substances. 
You've done the same things as everyone else. And I want to encourage you that you don't have to consume what the world is trying to feed you. You can say, listen, I'm not going to eat that and I'm going to be better. I'm not going to consume that. And God is going to bless me exceedingly above everyone else who is consuming these things. I am called to be different, to be set apart, to be completely different than the culture of the world. You don't have to consume what the world has to offer and what this culture is trying to feed you. You can still live holy. You can still be set apart. You can still be different. Daniel knew he couldn't be unfaithful to his own convictions. I pray God causes conviction to arise within you so that people know you're different. I want to quickly, I want to give you one of my all-time favorite quotes. I know what time it is. I'm hurrying, I promise. I want to give you one of my all-time favorite quotes from a, a 13th century, uh, one of those good old dead guy quotes. 13th century Italian mystic named Fran St. Francis of Assisi said this. He said, preach the gospel at all times. And if necessary, use words. Preach the gospel at all times. And if necessary, use words. Preach the gospel at all times. And if necessary, use words. St. Francis was known for not being a man of great eloquent speech, but he was a man who lived holy. He was a man who lived different. He was a man who lived set apart. And because of that, his audience, because of his lifestyle, he was brought before great people of influence who weren't believers, great people of renown who didn't believe in Jesus. Not because he had the right apologetics, but because he lived his convictions when other people didn't. I think sometimes we have focused way too much on saying the right things and we got to have all the answers for everything, right? We got to be able to debate people and show them that we're right and they're wrong. We got to be able to pull out all the facts and stuff. And by the way, I've seen a lot of people try to do that and look absolutely stupid while doing so. I think we should, we should focus a lot less on what we say and a lot more on what we do. Now hear me, doesn't mean you shouldn't say the right things, preach the right things, right? That we shouldn't know the word. But if you, if you say all the right things, but you don't live the right way, everything you say becomes empty. If you say that you know Jesus, but you act like everybody else, why would they want what you have? Whenever you partake of the king's meat and the king's wine, but then say, I'm different than all of y'all. Then why would they want what you have? Why would they be different? Why should they be different? I'm not concerned so much with you having all the right things to say and having all the right apologetics and being able to go through and show how all the messianic prophecies point to Jesus, which by the way, is one of my favorite things that we do right? With people who are unbelievers. So let me show you how all the messianic prophecies in the old Testament point to Jesus. They don't believe the old Testament. We're trying to prove something to people with something they don't even believe, but we you know what you can do. You can live your life different than everybody else. And you can show them a living Jesus. You can show them in the way that you live that he gives you the power to be separate, to be different, to stand out different from them, to be holy as God is holy. And we are called to be just like him. Now, side note in the midst of that, in your holiness, don't be a jerk. Because I've seen people who are so holy that they're jerks to everybody. And boy, you want to talk about a way to turn people off from Jesus. You're so holy that you can't be kind. That's not holiness. That's self-righteousness. And there's a difference. 
a lot of times the lifestyles can look similar, but the fruit and the way that you treat people is what's the real indicator. Listen, I don't care if you talk about how much you love Jesus, if you can't love your neighbor, you're missing the mark. Listen, we're not, hear, hear the way I say this, we're not against the world, we are for the world. Jesus wasn't against the world, Jesus was for the world. He didn't approve of everything the world did, but he came for the world. He came for sinners. Jesus dined with publicans and sinners. He just didn't engage in the same behaviors that they did. By the way, don't act like your holiness makes you look down on people because if there was never been anyone more holy on the face of the planet than Jesus, you weren't holier than him. And that's not holiness that's making you be mean. That's self-righteousness. Jesus wasn't a jerk to the world. He showed them love and we should be the same way. Jesus reached out to sinners, but he didn't sin. It is possible. I said, it is possible to reach out to sinners and not sin. You should love the sinners in your workplace, in your school that you get around. I'm not even saying you should just, I'm not saying you should avoid them at all costs and act like if their sin cooties might get on you. Right? If you're really filled with the Holy Ghost, sin cooties aren't gonna affect you. People can say what they want, do what they want, but we're not gonna engage in it. And you know what, whenever they start using foul language, we're not gonna engage in it. Whenever they tell the racist joke, we're not gonna laugh along with it. All right. Whenever they go to the bar, we're not gonna belly up with them and get drunk. Jesus reached out to sinners, but he didn't sin, it is possible. I'm gonna wrap up real fast. God always honors the faithful, okay? Living this way, living holy, despite being surrounded by people who are unholy, makes you faithful. And God always honors the faithful. In verse 17, as for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. I've heard parents say this before. I want my kids to be so focused on academics. I don't want them to just get wrapped up in church and wrapped up in the things of the Lord. They really need to focus on their schooling first. Listen, whenever you put God first and you put his way first, you put his word first, he will give them all understanding and knowledge and wisdom. They can have the mind of Christ. You don't have to pick God or education. And by the way, the church at times has done a really bad job of making people feel like they have to pick. You don't have to pick God or education. You can choose the Lord, obviously, first and foremost, above all, and you can still get an education, and God will equip you, and he will give you all understanding and knowledge and wisdom. There's no reason that at the end of this year, with the graduating classes, that every single valid Victorian shouldn't be a born-again, spirit-filled believer. There's no reason the top of the class shouldn't be people who know God, who seek God, who are in church all the time, who are at meetings, who come and pray, who are there all the time because God gives all understanding and knowledge and wisdom. He honors the faithful, but God doesn't just honor you privately. He also blesses you publicly. In verse 19, the king interviews them and says, none were found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and they served the king. And in all manners of wisdom and understanding, they were 10 times better. They weren't just a little bit better. They weren't just slightly better. They were 10 times better than all the magicians, all the astrologers, everybody else. Why? Because they refused to compromise because they refuse to compromise. One of the lies the enemy tells us is that we will prosper, we will be more successful, we will be more happy, we will find more fulfillment if we just compromise. And the devil can't do anything other than lie. 
It's not true. Compromise never leaves you with fulfillment. I've heard my dad say this a hundred times. Compromise simply puts you in a place where you comp your promise. Where you give away the promise over your life whenever you compromise. Now, I'm going to close with this. It's not always easy to take a stand. I get that. A lot of times living free of compromise is difficult. I've done it. I went to school. I had to live that way. And I understand it's difficult and it can be hard. And just because you pass the test once doesn't mean you won't be tested again. We see that with, with Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. We read this in Daniel 1. Guess what's going to happen in Daniel 3? There's going to be this event called the fiery furnace. Where after they're found 10 times better than everybody else, they're going to say, hey, listen, you're going to, you're going to bow down and you're going to worship this idol. And everybody who doesn't is going to be thrown in a fiery furnace. I know you're 10 times better than everybody else, but you're still going to bow. I know that it's your God that caused you to be like this way, but you're still going to bow your knee to our gods. And they refuse. And what happens? They get thrown in the fiery furnace. And whenever they look, Nebuchadnezzar says, did we not throw three men in the fire? Then why are there four? And the fourth is as the image of the Son of God. Jesus, literally and theologically, is what's called Christophany. Jesus showed up on their behalf in the fire for them. Even before his time, he showed up and manifested himself for them. <laughs> Listen, whenever you're faithful to God, he will show up outside of time. He will show up in ways that are peculiar. He will show up in ways that blow your mind. Whenever you show up and whenever you're faithful, he will protect you, he will guide you, and he will keep you in perfect peace. Not only that, a few chapters later is Daniel chapter 6. And in Daniel chapter 6 is this other story that we all know, Daniel and the lion's den. Where Daniel prays, and because he prays, they go, Daniel, now you're going to be thrown in the lion's den. And guess what happens? God shows up. He sends an angel that shuts the mouth of the lion. And then everybody that plotted against Daniel beats the fate that they had intended for him. Because once again, whenever you live faithfully, God blesses you and God protects you at the end of the day. There is blessing. There is favor. There's knowledge. There's wisdom. There's giftings. And there's safety. Whenever you refuse to compromise, I don't care what people say. You have to live a life full of conviction. Refuse to compromise and watch what God does in your life. Watch what God does in your kids. Whenever you, you, you build a platform for which they can live free of compromise. Which, by the way, parents, you can do that. You can help build a platform from which your kids can live free of compromise. First of all, you start off by you don't live in compromise yourself. You don't tell them, do as I say, but not as I do. Secondly, you show up to church and you bring them to church. You make the house of the Lord a priority in their life. You praise and you worship. You pray. You engage with the word. Maybe when the ministry is going on, you get off your phone and then don't, and then listen. Listen. If when ministry and preaching is going on and your kid's sitting beside you and you're sitting there scrolling through Instagram, don't be surprised whenever they're over in youth and they're not getting anything because guess what they're doing? They're scrolling through Insta and TikTok while Pastor Garrett's preaching because guess what they've watched their whole lives? They've watched you do the same thing. I'm not here to throw a stone at you. I'm here to say you can build a platform for them to be better. We're going to live free of compromise.
We're not going to bow our knees. We're not going to eat of the king's meat and drink of the king's wine. And we're going to watch as God does incredible things in our lives. I can't wait for the testimonies this year of what God does through our kids simply because they refuse to bow their knee, because they refuse to compromise. I can't wait to hear the stories of what God does through teachers and administrators because they refuse to bow their knee and they refuse to compromise. I can't wait to hear the stories of what God does in your workplace over this, this year. Whenever work, co-workers start coming up to you and going, listen, I don't know what it is about you, but something's different and I need what's inside of you. Whenever you refuse to compromise and you refuse to bow your knee, watch how God moves in your life. Will you stand up to your feet this morning? Will you stand up to your feet? I hope you got something out of this this morning. I want you to lift your hands right where you're at. Come on, lift your hands right where you're at. Thank you for your patience. I know it's a little bit longer than normal, but this is worth it. I want you to lift your hands. I want you to pray with me this morning. Say, Father God, I thank you today. You are giving me power to stand in the midst of adverse situations, of adverse circumstances. I declare today that I will not compromise, that I won't bow my knee, and that as I stand, you're gonna bless me with knowledge, with wisdom, with gifting, with anointing. And Lord, you're going to move on my behalf. You'll keep me protected. You'll keep me safe because I put you first. I thank you. I'm gonna live holy. I'm gonna live righteously. And as I do, you will be lifted up and all men and all women will be drawn unto you. I thank you for it today. In Jesus' mighty name. Now, if you believe it, can you give him a shout of praise this morning? Come on, give him a shout. Hey! Thanks again for downloading this podcast. We trust that this message has blessed, encouraged, and edified you. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss a message here from High Praise. Also, you can follow us on social media, on Facebook, and on Instagram. And don't forget to go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll be back soon with another incredible message. God bless you and have a great week.